Praise the Lord. All right, let's turn our Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 3 this evening. And it's been a while since we've been in the book of 1 Timothy. So I hope that you've... Um, that you remember sort of the subject matter. Again, it's a, it's a great book to study, uh, especially in our time uh, where really church is being redefined and really being reshaped by often the society that we live in rather than staying true to the Word of God. And we need to just continue to be reminded of uh, what, what church is and, and what authentic church looks like. And as part of that, uh, that package, we see here the, the offices of the church. And last time we were, we were in the book of 1 Timothy, we had just finished chapter 2. We, we spoke about the, the priority of prayer in a, in a church that is, uh, that is biblical, a church that is authentic. Uh, but then we also see then the, the parameters of, of women and, and the role that women play in the life of, of the church. And so he goes on now and he's going to address uh, just the characteristics of, of a bishop and then also a deacon. And we know that already part of the issue in the book of 1 Timothy was there was those who had come in who were teaching things that they didn't really understand. It. And again, it wasn't so much the, the, uh, the writings that they were going from because they were going through the, uh, the Old Testament scriptures, but how they were interpreting and then how they were teaching it. And some were coming in in the guise of being leaders in the church. And those who had some sort of knowledge, when in reality their lives uh, didn't match up and certainly their teaching followed suit. And so in the context of that, Paul then writes to his young protege, Timothy, the characteristics deemed uh, needful, the qualifications of the officers of the church. And so we're going to look at chapter 3, and, and Lord willing, just cover the majority of here tonight, the, the office of the pastor. And you might be thinking, well, tonight really doesn't apply to me, I'm not a pastor, but we are part of the church, right? And, um, and you know, as the Lord will, will lead over the course of time, whether, um, whether it's, it's by virtue of His moving uh, in, in the life of of uh, the pastor, or maybe uh, later, as as if the Lord tarries and um, I, I meet my Lord and I get called home, then you have to be discerning as a church to know how to call a, a man who will be qualified to be in that office of the pastor. And uh, I know that that as I was reading through this once again, uh, there are some things I was reminded of that is part of my qualification which, by the way, isn't just right at the beginning of a pastor's tenure. It's really, it should be actionable throughout his, his calling, correct? And so it was a good reminder uh, for me as, uh, as, as I was going through this. And what, what stood out the most probably was this, that, that we as, uh, as men of God have to be uh, ones who have great character, have to have a sterling character. And I want to speak to some of you men who have approached me in, in times past and even recently about wanting and, and saying that you, you would like to pastor or you would like to be in ministry, then I want you to pay close attention tonight because this has to be you. 
This is God's, God's mind on the matter, on the qualification of one who is to pastor. There, there are those of you who are in a ministry position that in my mind is very pastoral. And, and you lead certain groups of people in our church, uh, particularly stages of life, that in my mind is a, is a pastoral role. And, and really you should be aiming at this and looking at this like lining yourself up against this. And tonight I, I understand that, um, that as I read through this, that these are some things that, that is, should be defined in my life. And so as part of this exercise as well as of studying this chapter, um, really it's me coming to you as a church and saying, I want to be accountable. I want to be accountable. I, I want to be able to look at this and with good conscience before the Lord, but certainly before you, church, as my church family, as the flock that God has called me to lead as your pastor, I, I want to strive to continue to follow this pattern and this qualification in my life. And, and church, if, um, if there's concerns about that, then, then you need to, to see me and we need to speak about that. And so I want, to, I want to challenge you tonight to go through this and just allow the Spirit of God to teach us some things here. But, uh, you know, as society moves further away from the Scriptures, we see today a redefining of God-given roles, not only in the home, but also in the church. And uh, more and more we hear of pastors as leaders of their church, not only redefining what it is they're called to do biblically, but sadly to the, to the uh, furtherance of that, a disgracing of the office and a tarnishing of what God has designed to be a high and holy calling. And I believe here God defines for us in Scripture what God expects of men called to the gospel ministry and then later on those who are called to support them in their work, the office of deacon, of which we have some even in this room, but we, we probably won't get to that tonight. Uh, the chapter then finishes by instructing the local body of believers on the reason for the writing of the letter to Timothy and then by extension to the individuals who make up that body. And so some other portions of Scripture that will deal similarly to this chapter is, is found in Titus chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 13. And, um, and then obviously as we go through, um, as you read through to 2 Timothy as well. All right, so, uh, so let's begin reading here. Look at chapter 3, and let's read down to, um, uh, to verse 7. It says, This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to bless as we get into the scriptures tonight. Father God, we just want to thank you. We want to praise you, dear Lord, that um, Lord, just in, in, your, in your word, Lord, you've clearly lined out for us how to do church, how to be a church. And Lord, in, 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 the, in your writings, we see here tonight just the, the, the kind of character 
those of us who are called to pastor, those of us who are called to ministry, uh, ought to have. And I pray to God that, Lord, um, as, as is needed today, pray to God that you would continue to call laborers to your field. And, Lord God, I pray that, that we as a church would be a, 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 an environment and a, and a, a ground of which uh, young men uh, would be called but then would, would learn how to be qualified Lord, for the work of the ministry. And I pray that you'd help us, Lord, as we study these, Lord, perhaps even to, uh, as you've set, uh, Lord, bishops to be an example, Lord, that we would, in our own hearts, especially as men, desire these characteristics as well. And I pray that, Lord, as we, um, we search your scriptures tonight and look into them, that you would guide us and lead us. And we pray and ask these things in Christ's most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. And I want to say that... Um, it is a high and holy calling. And the, the office of the pastor is the first part of this chapter. And this outlines a bi- biblical pattern of a bishop. Now, the word bishop is used here rather than pastor. Though really, if you study Scripture, it's, it's one and the same. The, this, the, the word bishop simply means this, overseer. He is to oversee the, the direction and the, the affairs of the church. And the emphasis of the book of First uh, of Timothy lends itself to this terminology. Notice in verse 15, if you skip down to uh, the, the 15th verse of this chapter, but if I tarry long, that thou oughtest know how to, thou uh, oughtest behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And, and again, he was addressing uh, a group of people where, where some had come in with some, uh, some wrong ideas and, and really some wrong teaching. And there was just a... Um, just a, a a misbehavior in the church. And so he's saying there, I need to send, uh, I need to uh, outline the bishop, the overseer, so he can correct it. And, and he's saying there that this is the characteristics of one. And so from this standpoint, the pastor is to be the manager of the overall affairs of the church as the small b bishop under the big B bishop, Jesus Christ. He gives himself that title. For we, in 1 Peter 2.25, for we were as sheep, going astray, but now I return unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. So you understand that, that whilst the, the pastor is the under-shepherd, he is under the shepherd, right? That, that it's, a, it's a follow me as I follow Christ. And, and so that's a, it's very important to note that. Um, the, the shepherd and bishop, even in that sense there in, in 1 Peter 2.25, are used without distinction meaning that Jesus was equally a bishop and, and a shepherd. And, and pastor, of course, means shepherd. And so the usage of the title for the office is biblical. All right? So notice here firstly. So this is a true saying. Notice, if a man desire the office of a bishop. And notice the first thing there, if a man desire. And uh, we understand that God is the one who calls the laborers to, to the field. But God does it through desire. And I'll tell you what, you know, for, for the, the longest time as I've observed uh, Christianity and I've observed how church worked, um, it wasn't a natural desire on my part to pastor a church. Um, there were many times where as I observed the need and all of that, it just wasn't in my heart until God called me. Until God put that desire in my heart. But it is a desire. And, and can I say, as I look around all around our nation, I look at the, the aging 
uh, population of pastors all around us, and then even churches that have uh, a congregation without a pastor because there's a dearth of them. Can I just uh, I implore you tonight to pray for some young men and some men to just simply have a desire to be a pastor? That God would somehow raise up some more laborers in the field because a church, listen, if the Lord tarries, we still need churches today. And therefore, as a consequence, we still need pastors today, right? And so we need to desire that and we need to ask the Lord to, to implant perhaps even in our own young men a desire to be a bishop, to be a pastor, that, that God would call. But it's a desire and, and I'm mindful of the scripture of the Bible says in Proverbs 18.21, through desire, a man having separated himself. And, and listen, if, um, if God at all has... Uh, place that in your heart, then, then firstly, I want to say carefully examine that. Make sure it is of the Lord. But then if it is true, then separate yourself to that work. And, and I, want to, I want to encourage those of you parents, if, uh, if one of your sons comes and, and says, look, I, I feel like the Lord's calling me to the ministry, then, then, then encourage that and, and, and help them facilitate uh, the, the separation of that in their lives. And I just, I just believe that, uh, that as we go into these times, that it is more needful for us to put out the challenge for those that God has touched, that God has called, and then do all we can as a church family to be able to facilitate, facilitate the training of that and, and ensure that those desires, that godly desire of, of being in the ministry is met. And... Uh, a man who is to pastor has to have a desire to do so. And the office of pastor in itself is a specific call. But with the calling comes the desire. Okay, he is to, to desire the office itself. And the great responsibility that it entails. And, um, and you know, I, I started to really understand at times the, just the, 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 the reason why. There needs to be a, a desire because with that comes a delighting. You know, there's times where, to be frank with you, pastoring is undesirable. But the desire still has to be there. And, and that desire has to, uh, at many times, fuel the, the, the work and fuel the labor that is to come because that's the next thing. It says it is true. This is a true saying, if a man desire the office of, of a bishop, Notice the next thing, he desireth a good work. So he says there he desireth a good work. So it's a good work. That means it's a, it's a positive, right? But then it's, it's a work nonetheless is what I'm saying. It's meant to be a labor. And what is that labor? We labor in the Word. But certainly it says in Hebrews 13, 17, Obey them that have the rule over you. And submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. And you know, the big part of, of uh, a shepherd's work is to watch over the flock. But here he's saying they watch over souls. And you know, I was, uh, I was speaking to one of our young men. We, we took uh, our teenagers over to a preaching meeting on Friday night. And they were talking about, you know, he wants to get into medicine. And I was just telling him, boy, that, that would be a high-pressure job. 
you know, you're making sure you're diagnosing correctly and then, you know, whatever field you get into, then you're treating that whatever that ailment is. And, um, you know, he, it was interesting because then uh, he looked at me and he said, well, it's nothing compared to what you do. And, I, you know, this, this somewhat 18-year-old guy just had enough discernment to go, I know that will be tough, but, yeah, you can have yours. <laughs> and, and he's saying it's a work, and it's a work of watching over the soul. And this, this is a work of watching over the souls of men and women. And, uh, again, imagine the great burden that that, um, that must be. Uh, but never underestimate that burden. That's why, um, church, I, I just, I'm just honest with you tonight and transparent. Um, I desire your prayers because there are times where, you know, and not, you're a great church. I, I love our folks. Wouldn't, I wouldn't trade you for any other church in the world. But there's times where it is watching over souls can be lonely. Watching and praying for you all, sometimes it just, I'll be honest with you, it gets to me. And it's a work, it's a labor. It's a labor to, to, um, to ensure that, you know, there's the watching over the souls of men. And, and I want to say to you uh, men, if you're called to the work, to pastor, and you desire it, then you desire a good work. But I want to say it is a work. So, so you better prepare yourself for that work. Um, and, and it's a work, really, that's designed to be a work of longevity. Uh, you know, the, the sad reality is many pastors don't, they're like small businesses. They, they, they have a, you know, the first few years are the toughest and the first few years are often when they fold. And, um, and you know, if you, you speak to a lot of different uh, people around, uh, around Australia, you know that there's, there's churches who had pastors who were just there a year, two years, and they quit. And God's saying it's a work. It's a work that's long long-lasting. It should be a work where you have the mindset that you're going to just keep on going. So it's a, it's a work of longevity. And, uh, you know, I was very careful to, to think about that as um, as uh, approach the time of, um, of, of taking on the work of the pastor. I had to ask myself, am I in this for the long haul? Because that's what God expects. I don't look at this as, a, you know, some sort of a uh, um, stepping stone to something else. I, I just think this is a high calling. And I thank God for that. And, and young men, listen, if, uh, if you're going to look at the work of God, and especially this, it's a work, it's a good work, but it's a work of longevity. You've got to be committed. There was a, uh, an author of uh, many years ago, his name was Charles Jefferson, and he was a pastor of a church that used to be uh, Charles Finney's church in New York. And he wrote, he wrote a little booklet on the pastor, and he said this about the work. There is something of the sacredness of marriage in the pastoral relationship, and when once entered on it, is for the better or for worse. Short pastorates are unfortunate both for pastors and people. They develop in clergymen and laymen dispositions hurtful to spiritual growth. If a man knows he has but a short time in a parish... He is tempted to do the things which are easiest and cheapest. He will not enter deeply into the hearts of his people, but will be in danger of look, looking upon all laymen as so many pawns to be manipulated in an interesting game of ecclesiastical chess. It is the long pastorate 
which draws on the fountains which are deepest and which builds up in the congregation and pastor those elements of character in which the New Testament exalts and rejoices. A man who expects to live with the same people through many years will have ever incentive to be sane and industrious, far-sighted and true. He will not hesitate to enter upon schemes of education and training which can be completed only in long periods of time, and his life, blending more and more with the life of his people, will grow richer and fuller unto the perfect day. And what he was trying to emphasize was have the mindset of longevity. You're going to stick with it. And, and you know, in, in ministry, that, that's when fruit happens. You know, um, in, in our day where, you know, some churches who perhaps have a, the capacity to have uh, different pastoral staff, it, it's sad when, when sometimes one fills a position and then the, the immediate thing is what next? And really, we need to have the mindset, and, and I want to encourage you men, you know, it is a good work, but it's a, a long work. It's a work where you need to be in it for the long haul. Um, notice verses 2 to 5 now, some characteristics. He says here in verse 2, a bishop then must be blameless. Okay, blameless is simply defined without fault, guiltless. All right, a minister must be blameless. He must not lie under any scandal. He must give as little occasion for blame as can be because this would be a prejudice to his ministry and would reflect reproach upon his office. Okay, the, the word blameless here isn't speaking about sinlessness. Okay, you know why? Because no one is sinless. Okay, it's speaking about being without fault in his duties as, as the pastor and in his character. What it is, it's moral uprightness and duty unrebukable. A similar word used in, in later in chapter 6 in verse 14 says this, that thou keep this commandment without spot, and the word is unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's saying here to the, to the bishop, to the pastor, you need to be blameless. You, you cannot be accused or rebuked for how you live or, your, or how you do your duty. Next he says the husband of one wife. Okay, he is to be married. Okay, as a husband and father, he is to have a good example of a family. And he, he says that later on. He says, for if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? And so he's, he's, he, he, it's tied to the example of his family life. Okay, a husband of one wife, he is to be married. And um, how does he rule his home well? And notice here, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. And so he's saying it's submitted and, and, and uh, in subjection with all gravity, with all, uh, with all seriousness. That means this, he is able to ground his family in the, in the things of the truth. You know what gravity does? It's, it's just a, a it, it keeps you, it just keeps you grounded. And that's the thing he's saying, you know, he's grounded his family in the things of, of the truth. Okay, with all gravity, having in subjection. And if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? And, and so uh, we see that uh, exemplified. Look at Genesis chapter 18. And, and God holds a, a, a great account to our families and how we, um, we rule our homes. And notice here uh, a compliment given to Abraham. Genesis 18 
Notice verses 16 to 19. And the men rose up from thence and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? And notice what God sees about Abraham. Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. And here's what he sees. I know him. That he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. And he's saying there that he needs to rule his home well, and, and he knew something about Abraham. And listen, you know, the, the great shambles of, of the, the church at times is a, is, a, is a difference in the home and a difference in the public life. And, and there's a great danger to be, to be somewhat something imagined when the reality doesn't match up. And often the place that it's most telling is, is oftentimes in the home. And, and we, we understand that, you know, eventually the children have to make their own decision. They have to uh, eventually become adults who make up their own minds. And, and I personally have the conviction that I don't, I don't hold that against uh, pastors who have adult children who decide that they won't follow the faith. But, but listen, when, when they're in your home, that ought to be, that ought to be that we rule our home well, that we lead our wife, that we lead our children. And, and he's saying there that that, that ought to be uh, somewhat uh, uh, the characteristic of our lives as bishops. And so he uses, uh, we see Abraham as a good example of that. Notice the next thing, vigilant. Okay, vigilant simply means this, watchful. Okay, we're to watch over the souls of men and women. Watchful, circumspect. That means attentive to discover and avoid danger or to provide for safety. And one of the, one of the, uh, one of the characteristics that, uh, that we have is we are to warn. That requires vigilance. That requires paying attention. Notice the next one, sober. Okay, that just means calm or temperate. And, uh, and, and that goes w- with this thought of good behavior. It means well-mannered. That means they're not easily to lose their temper. They're not easily to lose their, uh, to, uh, they're, they're to guard their spirit. Uh, the, the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. That means they're under control. And, and one of the things that, that, you know, is a marker of maturity is one that can hold their spirit. And, um, and, and that's, 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 a, that's a characteristic um, of good behavior, means well-mannered. Then the next thing is this, given to hospitality. Okay, um, the, the hospitality is the act or practice of receiving and entertaining strangers or guests without reward, okay, or with kind and generous liberality. And um, that showing hospitality, um, looking at guests or those that are, uh, are part of the church and, and receiving them. You know, there used to be this mentality um, in, in fundamentalism that the pastor's home is his castle. Like, you should never have people over. Like, you should never entertain. And I'm like, that flies way against what the Bible says, given to hospitality. 
And we're meant to, we're meant to welcome those and, and welcome them into our homes, in, into their homes, and we're given to that. But then here's the next one, and a major one, apt to teach. It, it means this, you're qualified or fit to teach you. You know your stuff. You're able to, to teach through the Word of God. And um, don't underestimate, again, and, and I hope that you pray for me about this. You know, I know some of you, you're praying that I just preach shorter, all right? Can you just pray that I preach better, all right? But, um, and I, I can feel like your, your prayers are being answered, because I just preached for 35 minutes this morning. Um, but don't underestimate the, just the ability that the pastor should have to be able to teach and preach. Uh, pastors you're meant to and, and you young men again you men you're called to you, you sharpen yourself in this it's the, it's the feeding remember when, when uh, Jesus spoke to John in John 21 he says lovest thou me more than these and here's he said I do and he said then feed feed my sheep feed my lambs and, and um, you know those of you that God has a call and you're looking at uh, one day or in, um, in the future pastoring then you need to be apt to teach. And, and let's not underestimate that. You know, we sometimes hear it said of a minister. Here's another quote from the same book. He's a good pastor, but he cannot preach. The sentence is self-contradictory. No man can be a good pastor who cannot preach. Any more than a man can be a good shepherd and still fail to feed his flock. A part of shepherding is feeding and an indispensable part some of the finest and most effective of all a minister's pastoral work is done in his sermon. In a sermon, he can warn, protect, guide, heal, rescue, and nourish. The shepherd in him comes to lofty stature in the pulpit. And, uh, you know, th that's something that we ought to develop. Uh, notice the next one. So, not apt to teach. Then the next one, not given to wine. Okay? He, he isn't a drinker. Right, not given to wine. That's an easy one. It says no striker. Okay, no striker win, means this, one that strikes, a quarrelsome man. Notice what uh, a parallel, look at 2 Timothy, look at chapter 2, and we, uh, we as men, we looked at the first part of this chapter this morning, but look at the end of it, 23 and 24. Notice what he says, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. You know, a lot of pastors just want to engage in debate. You know what that is? You're being a striker. And he's saying there, you know, avoid that. But then notice what he says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. But he's saying there, they're not to strive. Not to be a striker, one who is quarrelsome. One who uh, just engages in quarrel and argument. He knows that there's some things you just, 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 don't, just don't deal with it. They're just engendering strife. Notice the next thing. Uh, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre. Uh, what's that? It's the gain of money or profits. Um, the pastor's not in it for the money. He's not in it to be paid well. He's in it because of a calling. And, and he's saying he's not in it for that. Um, the next thing, he says, patient, but patient. So he's not easily, that means not easily provoked. Okay, calm under the sufferance of injuries or offenses, not revengeful. 
And, uh, you know, there's that saying, the bully pulpit. And there's many, those in fundamentalism, our kind of churches that have used the pulpit to bully. And he's saying, no, you're, you're not to do that. All right? Um, don't, not, you're not to be revengeful. All right? Uh, the next one is not a brawler. Okay? That means a, a noisy fellow, a wrangler. And, and he says, don't be a brawler that way. Now, notice the next one, not covetous. Don't be inordinately desirous. Don't be excessively eager to obtain and possess. It's, it's got to do, again, with, with money or goods or, or being over the top. Then he says this, the next one, he says, not a novice. Okay, um, so we already looked at verses 4 and 5, but look at, skip down to verse 6, not a novice. Okay, he says, um, a novice is one who is new in any business, one unacquainted or unskilled, one in the rudiments, a beginner. Okay, one newly planted in the church or one newly converted to the Christian faith. And what this is, this is relating to one's spiritual maturity rather than age. Remember, Timothy was a young man here. And so this isn't relating to someone's age. A novice isn't based on someone's age. It's based on their skill, on their, on their ability, on their maturity. Okay, his ability to teach the Word of God with proficiency. Again, he's saying apt to teach. Um, and this isn't just a knowledge. This is saying, you know, his application of it. Remember, there were those who had come in who, who weren't uh, applying and who weren't teaching the Word of God correctly. And so he's saying, you know, look out. You want someone who's a leader who can, who's apt to teach and someone who's able to apply the Word of God. And this is referring to his application of truth and not just knowledge. Remember, knowledge puffeth up. And one is only considered not a novice when he is able to apply knowledge into practice. Okay, this would also apply to his manner of counseling. And, um, you know, there's a proving ground that has to occur uh, before one can be a bishop. Um, notice the next one, look at verse 7, and, and we're on the home stretch here. Notice here, moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without. Here's the last one. Um, a pastor to have a good testimony to those who are lost. All right? Um, the truth is, as pastors, men need to have a good testimony to those who are in the church, but then also outside of the church. How's your testimony? All right, 2 Corinthians 8, 21, providing for honest things not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. And uh, there's an example here. Let's turn to this really quickly. Look at um, 1 Samuel chapter 2. Some of you are praying. I finished quick. I can feel it. Um, 1 Samuel 2. Look at, um, look at verse 22. Verse, now Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto all Israel and how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of a congregation, he said unto them, Why do ye such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all these people. Name my sons, for it is no good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people to trans transgress. And you understand that the, the sons of Eli, they were already in the priesthood. They were doing the service of the work uh, of the temple. And he was saying to them, Lord, you're, you're leading others to transgress. You know why? Because you have an evil report. You have a bad testimony. People are looking at you, and you have a bad testimony. And you're causing them to transgress. 
And, uh, and we, we better be careful. Sometimes, you know, um, sometimes, sometimes, again, we have a reputation within the church, but God's looking at us from a whole, just, just the, the whole of our lives. And, and by the way, men, God knows. God sees. And he's saying you have to have a good, exam, uh, a good testimony to those without. And here's why, lest he fall. Notice, go back, 1 Timothy Chapter 3, verse 7, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. And, um, you know, we need to work and ensure, and, and again, can I emphasize, we have a high and holy calling and we must, we must avoid, we must be above reproach. Because we're going to fall into that and then the snare of the devil. 2 Corinthians 6, 3, giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. Um, and we're living in a time, church, the, the reality is, you know, you saw the news this week. And, and uh, Cardinal Pell and all of his sins have been laid out before everyone. And, you know, we're not the Catholic church, right? But, you know, the, 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 the normal Joe Blow of society equates religion in every way. It just lumps us all in. And it's unfortunate today. But, you know, as, 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 we, as God calls, can I just say this? As God calls um, men from our church to, to the work of the ministry, may we as a church just be a training ground to develop this kind of character in a young man. Because we want to give God every opportunity to call more to the field. And, and so... We look at that and let's be above reproach. There's a high and holy calling to uphold the name of Christ. And here we can easily be ensnared and therefore be a snare to those who are lost and the flock that God has called us to guide and protect. And Jefferson said this again in his book, There is nothing more beautiful on this earth than the love of a parish for a faithful pastor. And remember, um, that, you know, the church is formed of many members. And the church, is, the, the, the pastor is not apart from the church. Um, I have a role to play that God has specifically called me to, but you do as well. And we do this together. And if we're going to have a, a biblical church, an authentic church, then, then, then I have a, I have a, a job to do. Uh, I, I, I got to be lined up to this and, and I need to continue on with it. And church, you've got to be faithful too. And you've got to be faithful to continue to, to follow Christ and to follow His Word. Um, in Ephesians chapter 4, the Bible says, and He gave some. And He gave some, and then the last two is pastor and teacher. Right? That's, that's, the, that's the one office. He says that the office of a pastor is given. Therefore, it's a gift to the church. And it's also a high and holy calling. And many are called, but few are chosen. And so, so I want to encourage you, I just, just, because I know I'm not perfect, just pray for me. And I, I want to grow. Um, I, please uphold my family in your prayers. And I, I, I know you do. And I sincerely believe that God uh, will, will just help us to just continue on. You know, in the days ahead, you know, we had, uh, we've got some things this year that we're asking God to do. But really, I'm just asking God that we would just continue 
in the labor that he's called us all to. And that's the work of the gospel. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity tonight once again to, to open your word. Lord, it's such a precious thing to be able to, um, Lord, just to glean and to learn and grow, Lord, in just the, the things of the word of God. I pray that you'd help us, Lord. I pray that you'd help me, Lord, as I pass through this church, Lord, to just continue to, to serve you, continue, Lord, to, to grow in, in the things that are mentioned here. And then, dear God, that as a church, that we would just continue to um, seek for and produce um, men that will be called, uh, who have this character, Lord, to be able to go forth and, and do the work of the ministry. So I pray that you'd, you'd please help us. Lord, again, I pray, Lord, um, that you would send forth laborers to the field, and may you call them here, dear God. I pray, dear Lord, for the, the many churches all around Australia, uh, who's, who's got no pastor. Lord, those who have pastors who are aging, who have no replacement. Lord, within the church, perhaps, Lord, you would touch some. Lord, even um, in this room, in this place, uh, to go to some of these places all around Australia and, and go forth even all around the world to pastor some churches that are so needful even in our day. And so we pray and ask these things in Christ's most precious, holy, wonderful name.